I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is the weekly briefing for the week ending March 4th. Companies are already claiming to be enabling the Metaverse and Web 3.0. Some are even claiming to be implementing those technologies. The implication would be that they have some sort of competitive advantage in getting to the market first. The charitable description of such claims is that they're premature. So where on the road to the metaverse are we really? Our guest this week is Johnny Zhang, the chief software officer of Capgemini Engineering, a consulting firm that's researching exactly that question. We talk about the metaverse, Web 3.0, virtual reality, gloves and body suits with haptic feedback, digital twins, and the big, hairy problem nobody is talking about. The monstrous challenge formatting all the data the metaverse is going to represent. We'll get to that interview right after we run down some of the news we covered in EE Times this week. Russia's war against Ukraine has repercussions for the world economy. Alan Patterson is an EE Times correspondent with an interest in how global politics, and global economics affect each other. This week, Patterson has an overview of how the Biden administration is tightening controls on exports of semiconductor technology to Russia and what that might mean for everyone involved. EE Times correspondent Ann Thrift specializes in cybersecurity issues. Russia's cyber warfare capabilities are well known. Thrift examines how Russia might expand its war to the digital realm and evaluates the potential that Russia might target not just Ukraine, but other Western countries as well, including the U.S. Russia is a major exporter of fossil fuels, and that has geopolitical ramifications. Power Electronics News Editor Maurizio De Paolo Emilio covers sustainable power generation, and he asks a pointed question. The world needs to mitigate global warming, so why are we still so reliant on Russian oil? All of those stories and more are on the website at eetimes.com. If you're on this episode's webpage already, there are links directly to the articles I just mentioned. Somebody coins a new buzzword, and it immediately sets off a tizzy among companies who might even be obliquely involved. It amuses me to imagine that companies that are directly involved go into panic mode. What is this interwebs thing all the popular kids are talking about? Why weren't we invited? This is where consulting firms step in. These are organizations that make it their business to accumulate pertinent expertise, often in emerging markets. They do the research on behalf of their clients, who can continue to focus on their core competencies, instead of diving down rabbit holes trying to figure out what 6G cellular networking might be, or whether the phrase Industry 4.0 actually means anything. The metaverse is one of the latest, hottest trends. In previous episodes, we've talked about some of the nuts and bolts of the metaverse. What kind of processing power might be required, the platforms, what the goggles might look like. But when we got the opportunity to talk with someone from consulting firm Capgemini Engineering, we figured we might be able to get a more generalized overview of how the technology industry is imagining the metaverse, how it might be used. And that might tell us a little bit about what the challenges of building the metaverse might be. I'm pleased to say we were right. 
I asked our guest to introduce herself. My name is Johnny Zhang. I'm the Chief Software Officer for Capgemini Engineering. And Capgemini Engineering is the engineering and uh, research and development services part of Capgemini. Uh, as many may know, Capgemini is a global leader uh, in partnering with companies to drive technology innovation and, and technology transformation. And, you know, as part of Cap Engineering, our focus is really on sort of the, the consulting digital transformation and engineering services that really drive at uh, the evolution of technology into industry and making industry more intelligent. All right. So we were going to talk about um, the metaverse, Web 3.0, um, buzzword bingo, in, in, as, as some people uh, refer to it. Um, but these are these are real things happening, and I'm wondering to what extent um, Cap Gemini, you and your associates are. Uh, I mean, this is all brand new. Um, I imagine it's a difficult um, position to have to learn about things as they're developing, and then be able to bring your your associates and clients up to speed on something that's a moving target. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it is a little bit like buzzword bingo. I mean, I think a lot of people talk about metaverse or Web3. Everybody seems to have slightly different definitions for it, which is also kind of the ambiguity, that, as you mentioned, that we have to deal with. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, we'll, we'll take it one piece at a time, right? So, mm -hmm. so let, let's talk about metaverse um, and, and what that means. And I, I think, to me, metaverse is, is really sort of the next evolution of engagement, I, I would say, call it this way. So, you know, it, it isn't something that, you know, one company or certain companies are defining. It is a vision. Uh, and a, a direction where we think in the future it will become, there will be a, a container, just like the internet is a container, uh, where you'll have a whole bunch of public, private, decentralized, you know, virtual spaces. And the virtual spaces aim to do, um, to, to change the way we engage, right? Whether it's customer engagement and customer experience or it's employee engagement. Um, but it is very fascinating because it fundamentally, it, it is a future aspiration, I would say, for people to be engaged uh, in a more intimate way um, that, uh, that allow us to, to be able to operate um, not just a human-human inter interaction, but also virtually. Um, and I think a big part of this also uh, is driven by, you know, what we've been going through the last, you know, couple of years with COVID. And I, I think it's been an accelerator in thinking about how all these things today that we were fully used to doing, you know, in person suddenly has to stop. And unfortunately, the world doesn't stop. Supply chains don't stop, and they shouldn't stop. Um, and all the, the issues that something like COVID had impacted us, you know, changing the way we work, changing the way we interact, changing the way that um, 
you know, we, we go about our daily lives. If suddenly, you know, another pandemic hits and again, we have to, you know, be, be isolated, what happens? You know, the world still has to move. The, the businesses still need to run. Industry still needs to run. And so the concept of the metaverse, I think, is, is quite ideal. Um, so, you know, to be able to operate when you have some situation like that and to be able to continue to engage and experience is, I think, the goal of the metaverse. So we've had things like Second Life. We've had virtual spaces before. Uh, Today, um, as you noted, um, people have become very used to video conferencing um got used to that really fast as a matter of fact really yeah we've got ar we've got vr um and and those things are developing too what more can you do to amp up engagement yeah no it's a it's a great question and i i think you know i think the ultimate goal is to is to have even more than the AR, VR, the spatial is, you know, effectively all, all the, the senses around it too. Right. Um, and so (laughs) a little bit, right. But I mean, I mean, I think, think about the, the situation with COVID, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that we, we couldn't interact and we have family members undergoing, you know, difficult things that you can no longer, touch and hold mm-hmm. and um and and i think the like i said the the ideal of the metaverse is that you would be able to factor in more even tactical uh smell and all those things all, all these different types of data that helps us better interact um you know obviously big applications are around human engagement you know doctors and uh clinical assessments and diagnoses and uh you know, bad diagnoses and, and yeah. the, 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 the interactions that go along with it, right? So much of it is, is, is human touch. Um, so I, I think there is more than just AR, VR, but you have to come from somewhere, right? And just to our, the, the previous answer as well, you know, I, I think there's, we've, we've kind of, a lot of people look at the metaverse as, oh, you know, that's like a um, extension of, gaming (laughs) and i i'm a i i i i like video games myself uh am a little bit of a nerd on that but uh, you know at the same time uh the applications of of metaverse is actually much broader i would say much broader in terms of in industry applications outside of gaming i think gaming is just a nice outlet uh and for us to test out new technologies Mm -hmm in this area but uh you know i think like like i said employee experience employee engagement you know uh healthcare engagement um those are all industry applications i don't think that that's uh that's just for for games yeah so we've been discussing a lot of aspirations for what we would like to improve um i think um i think it's clear that there are opportunities to improve engagement in all of those, 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 um, endeavors that you just talked about. Um, and I know it's early, it's early times and we're still developing the technology and figuring out what that means, but have you seen, um, technology enablers 
trying to figure out what specifically it means to provide a richer tactile environment that would improve a, a doctor, a virtual doctor business, or how to improve, uh, you know, again, I, I mean, I was joking about smell vision, but I'm not really, I mean, I've been, you know, you, you, you go, Disney's been playing with these, that with scent and odor and aroma in some of their rides. And it's mm. amazing how evocative just an aroma can be. So I, I don't, while I'm joking, I don't want to just dismiss it because it can be serious. I understand that. Um, but the, I think my question is, is what's no, I, I suspect that nobody's built a smell vision or a, an effective tactile suit, but people must be thinking about it. Have you been privy to any of those, those musings where people think they might be able to take this so that they can improve, you know, enable improved engagement? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, it will, it will, it might come faster than we think. I think a lot of this is, is uh, economics driven, mm -hmm. you know, I think like a, like a tactile suit kind of thing, right. Um, the technology, um, in concept is there, uh, actually in reality, people have built them before, but mm -hmm. the cost, right. I, I think that's how, how you get this to really scale and how people to adopt is, you know, you have to make, uh, this experience much more accessible to everyone. Right. Mm. Um, just like, you know, everyone has a laptop and we can all virtual conference together, right. Very easily, um, you know, if, if we really need to get to this uh, extended reality, then pretty much everyone needs to have the gear and the outfit to be able to, to envision. So I think there's that there is a gap in terms of us being able to manufacture and supply and sell and, and people consume that equipment at scale today. I, I think that's that's a, a big uh, barrier in terms of why it's not adopted yet, or we feel like oh, it's still more sci you know sci-fi than than reality. Mm -hmm. So, but I think I think it is moving there. You know, the the cost of uh, you know these these uh, equipments have dropped significantly uh, over the last few years, uh, allowing people to be able to you know obtain it a lot faster. Um, but in in your to your specific question around tactile and um, the, this extended reality. We have seen uh, use cases in the industry, and to no surprise, you know, I think the number one use case we see in extended reality or ARVR, um, and and expanding beyond that is in training. Mm -hmm. um, I think training uh, in industrial training uh, has a great application for this type of technology, right? Because you don't want to stick one of your you know, new hire trainees in the middle of the ocean in a deep, deep water situation, right? You don't want to put them in, a, you know, 10,000 feet underground on, on drilling mission without having been able to train all the, the pieces to it. So I, I think there is a lot of application in, in things that uh, deal with safety, uh, deal with complexity of equipment, of process, mm -hmm. that people leverage this extended reality today. Uh, and, and it's very effective. It's obviously a lot cheaper, but it's obviously a lot safer um, for people to be able to learn and engage. 
And as the barrier to entry from a equipment perspective drops, then I think the application over the years we've seen it to be to to adopt in a, a lot more frequency. So you know, in the beginning, it was those very sensitive uh, safety related use cases, mm-hmm. um, and then but now you know we're talking about people doing that. Um, on the manufacturing floor, right? On on uh, on maintenance, on repair, um, and and how you use that uh, against that. And I think, you know, the the human engagement part uh, is extremely relevant in in medicine, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To be able to uh, virtually be there with the patient to to see their emotions and directions. Um, and and be able to to guide them along that. So remote diagnoses, remote um, uh, patient uh, engagement, I think very heavy use case in being able to use um, you know the, this advanced technology. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen a couple of the uh, the I was going to use the word rudimentary, but that's a bad word. I've seen some pretty sophisticated, full body tactile suits used for, you know, designed for, um, employee training, uh, things mm. where people uh, might be climbing an oil rig or, or some yeah. other, you know, um, and they're really quite fascinating, but I'm wondering about human factors. I mean, uh, or human response, basically. Um, I think you can easily convince somebody Hey, if you're going to be climbing up a tower, um, you really ought to get some practice in. And I can see somebody going, yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> right. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, to, to wedge somebody into a suit for a business meeting is something else entirely. And, uh, and I'm wondering <laughs> to what extent. Right, you know, so so I'm wondering. I mean, obviously, you're going to have different technology for different applications, but I mean, is there going to hit a point where, you know, to get a truly tactile experience, a, um, you know, I, I, I talked about smellovision. Um, you go to a movie, and the extent to which sound. Um, enhances the experience is beyond the ken of most moviegoers. I don't think they realize the extent to which um, the average person realizes the extent to which they, they respond to sound. I'm wondering at what point are are we going to hit a point where the, the engagement we hope to create requires more gear then most people are going to want to put on just to engage. <laughs> no, no, very, very fair and very good example. Um, but you know, I, I think that uh, so obviously gear varies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you talking about just just glasses and you know and gloves, mm-hmm. or are you talking about a full body suit, right? right like right. you said, and and uh, but I, I think you know. There has been a lot of studies done on, you know, tactile, right? So, mm-hmm. so touch, right? And so, I, I think something like um, gloves, right, would not be too intrusive mm-hmm. uh, from an experience perspective. And so, being able to, you know, hold somebody's hand when you're conveying bad news um, mm-hmm. or sensitive news, um, and I, I think it 
I, none of this, I think, is uh, moves, you know, uh, in, um, you know, you get to that full body suit, you know, right? all these are going to be in stages and in steps and what people are uh, comfortable in, in donning uh, around that. But I think, you know, what, what I've seen and my, my history of, you know, being in IoT and all that mm. is that, you know, sensors have, have become more accessible, easier mm. and simpler to use. Um, to be able and smaller to to be able to embed into um, things that are less intrusive um, is definitely is definitely there today. Um, you know, I, I've I, I think that your mobile technology and being able just to use your phone in, in some of these spatial environments have really accelerated as well. Um, I've heard of use cases of people using. Um, or not people, but but industry kind of investigating usage of your phone as an like an ultrasound machine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's definitely a lot of technology advancement and using what we have, right? Rather than you know everyone getting one of those uh, CG suits on right, right. <laughs> in order to to feel the entire experience. Um, but it's also it also comes back to the the use case, right? Like what what is it that you're using for in industry in each industry is going to be a little different. Um, in employee experience versus customer experience is different. Yeah. Well, things change. Um, I, I I anticipate the day where instead of somebody saying, "Are you sitting down?" Uh, they'd say instead, "Are you wearing your gloves?" Um, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, one of the things um, we had talked a little bit before we're recording this uh, this conversation, and one of the things that came up was um, the point talking about how engineers and businesses can leverage the metaverse, and um, it was it occurred to me, is that two different things? Would engineers uh, have different applications and interests in how they engage in the metaverse than what the companies they work for might have? I mean, might one be like internal purposes and one be customer focused or, or does it make a di- Would you, Anticipate yeah, two different classes I, for engineers in an engineering meeting and engineers in a business meeting. I I think so. Um, well, I, I think the objectives for from an engineer perspective uh, of using this technology versus a business could be completely different because the 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 application and usage, right? Mm-hmm. So let let's take let's take the engineering experience or or the the employee experience, right? So so if we think about the metaverse in in engagement or even as an extension of communication right so say the next time that we have something like this instead of uh, like a like a covid instead of your your conferencing you're you're in a virtual space mm-hmm. instead um, and engaging and talking about solutions and diagrams uh, the application of this I think would be quite impactful in you know for example complex design mm-hmm. right so um, you know, we all know that when we're face to face and we draw on the whiteboard and, you know, you can scribble here and right there and, and, uh, and, and have that interaction with people, you, you tend to be a lot better in your, in your brainstorming, right? right? 
if you are able to do that virtually, um, not just as a as a you know a, a whiteboard that you pull up and you scribble on, but being able to really take that digital twin idea to that next level, like if you could walk into a virtual like blown up version of an engine, mm-hmm. you know that I think that that that's very impactful in the way that you engage, the way you discuss and that way that you map out. It almost, it sounds a little sci-fi, but I don't think we're that far from it because we already have 3D models of these things. We have, you know, requirements that tie to the development and the uh, creation of those. And then to be able to couple it with, um, uh, you know, the, the operations of it, the, the software against it, uh, the data that streams off of it, and to be able to visually see that mm-hmm. uh virtually see that uh in a in an immersive experience i think would be quite powerful from an from an engineer perspective um uh and then but from a business perspective i i think it's, it's slightly different use cases right there's there's obviously um you know the use case of what what kind of value they would create off of it and i mentioned you know kind of the training and things like that that touches on employee experience but also could leverage new types of experience for customers right so um now you can't walk into a clothing store anymore because of the situation and so how do you convey the touch of fabric mm-hmm. um and and to, to for people to, to try on these digital experience so i think in like the consumer products uh, retail area, huge applications in new types of customer experience. That's crazy. Um, that, I mean, that's uh, uh, not, uh, not crazy like you can't do it. It's crazy in that it's so ambitious. I mean, uh, uh, how do you give, how do you capture digitally the distinction between the touch of silk and the touch of rayon and the touch of corduroy Um and and figure out how to convey it to, you know, a sensor glove. Yes, <laughs> that technology is 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 very advanced. Um, but I but I think there's already quite a lot of research projects focusing on that tactile piece already. Really, you know? and to your yeah, there there is you know. I mean, maybe not to the refinement of rayon versus silk, <laughs> but, but definitely the burlap in terms of versus coarseness. silk, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't like the burlap but, press. <laughs> but but yeah, I think the the customer. I mean, you can. There's just a ton you can you can create around customer experience, and just to your your point earlier, right? The the impact of sound, the impact of smell. I mean, it's all multi sensory in in the way we we engage right and i think um you know that's why i said in 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 those types of industries i can see a lot of business application for customer experience once you know we are more mature and intangible in the in the technology of uh and and the physical aspects of it um but you know the the other major um application for business i think is very relevant for us is supply chain you know, and I think we we see that today all the time because everyone knows about the chip shortage now. Everyone, you know, is feeling the inflation of you know prices because there's just not enough supply, and and that happened because you know we kind of overcorrected in the beginning of COVID, thinking that we need to ramp things down. Um, and then when we started to ramp things back up, everyone started to, it, you know, all, 
whole new set of issues started to, to pop up. You know, how do you social distance? How do you uh, bring back enough people to, to work the lines and things like that? And, um, you know, but this type of application would allow you to be able to leverage a remote presence to testing, right? I think one of the biggest things I, I've come across repeatedly with customers is is supply chain tests and how do we do that more remotely? So now we can't be on the line looking at, uh, you know, a, a part. Mm. And yes, we, we've kind of toiled with visual inspection before, but no one's found a very good use case, mostly because business didn't really want to spend money on that yet. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was cheaper for someone to look at it, but now you can't right now. Now you have to be away. And so next time, you know, how do you resolve for that? How do you ensure that you, you can actually have physical manufacturing line presence while being away? That's absolutely wild. So, um, that's a specific to a question I wanted to back up and ask you a little bit more about. Um, you, you talked about, uh, you, you mentioned just a moment ago about the maturation of the technology and moving forward. Is there a, um, a group of or a category of challenges ahead specifically for the metaverse um, to, to get that? more refined to where we we could we're we're not just vr ar virtual life um zoom meetings to something that's you can legitimately call different enough to be the metaverse what are the challenges that uh you hear about getting us to there well i i think if i boil it all down right mm -hmm. at the at sort of the inception and creation of the universe at the back end of it, mm -hmm. you know, take stripping away the, the, you know, fun game or <laughs> smell o vision parts. The, the back end of it is actually data. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's the thing that everybody is challenged with, but also everyone is being innovative with on the creation of that data mm -hmm. and the application of that data. So, uh, if we think about what is what do you need to capture a spatial, you know, and a full you know, sensory experience? Well, it's it's not just the data that we're processing today. You're capturing that tactile touch as data. You're capturing, you know, smell as data. And and how do you use that? And how do you process that? And even if we just stick with visual, like how do you capture a three D environment today? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and the data that it brings in. So I think. All of this points back to to data, um, and so that I think is the number one challenge uh, for us to be able to create, address, and utilize this type of environment is data. And you cannot process this data um, simply. Like uh, you, you know, the you need to take machine learning and AI to a whole different level to be able to ingest, process, and manipulate this data in order for you to to actually make use of it. So um, is there, regardless of, yeah. Is there likely to be, so, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned digital twins earlier, and that seems to me a, 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 a fairly mature um, um, progression toward metaverse, the ability to do mm. uh, a Tony Stark, let's build my Iron Man suit 6.0 in, in, in like my, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But there are other things too, in other ways of, there's so much, there are so many different types of data that would need to be synthesized for um, an engaging metaverse of the type we're talking about. Is there a necessity for a metaverse protocol or metaverse data format or can we just collect data as it is and then just figure out how to mush it together using, (laughs) you know, whatever AI tools we can devise? Yeah, I, I think there will be, I think the, the reality is today people are just, you're, you're starting with some basic data formats. I mean, a lot of the ML work that's been done, you know, up to now is focusing on textual data, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even introducing some basic visual data now. But uh, by and large, uh, outside of that, it's kind of like the Wild West on <laughs> what type of data format to, to actually get to. But I think that that's part of the, the challenge here is, you know, how do you, how do you leverage? What is that platform? Uh, and I think platform is quite an overused word. That, that we would use. And then, you know, that kind of comes directly in conflict with it being decentralized as well. So, <laughs> you know, if you if you are fully decentralized, how do you ensure you uh, coordinate, right, yeah, the yeah. different pieces of data to make sure that you, you actually can sing to the same protocol that, you know, your up is their up <laughs> and right. not down. <laughs> so uh, I, I think it, it's, it's a... That will be a big tipping point, I think, on on the way that we address data uniformly. And I think that's why people are making big investments in this because you know it's kind of like the it it will come. It's it's a, it's not going to come tomorrow, but it will come. And you know maybe there's going to be another event like this that would accelerate the the building of this. And so whoever has got more of their ducks in a row in the way that they structure the metaverse data, the way that you're, they're utilizing the metaverse data will most likely become the guiding standard that others will conform to, right? Because it's just the network effect. Right. And I think that's why you see these tech companies making big plays in this area. I think it is on data. Yeah. That's fascinating. I think it. Um, I, I think if you, uh, if you have the cynical point of view, this is just... VR on steroids, you're missing, <laughs> you're missing how, how vast the scope of the challenge is that, that we're trying to, to address. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. And I, I think maybe because it's often been cast in a more fun way as, as video games, which we all appreciate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the, the actual application of this is, is quite powerful. Um, I uh, I had a, a pretty f- uh, interesting conversation with with my my husband yesterday as a as a physician, you know, and he was talking about the huge application of something like this for remote uh, people that don't have access to psychiatry, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, if you are able to have a way to engage, have a way to talk through people on those types of, it it would you know be a huge. Um, uh, impact on people's lives and, you know, reducing, you know, suicide rates and things like that. So I, I think technology is there for us to use, 
use it for our our good, right? And I'm I'm sure we, a lot of people will say that we use technology trivially uh, for our in, enjoyment and engagement only. But I I think uh, as part of part of my mission and part of you know I think Capgemini as well is that you know we want to leverage and harness the power of technology. We want to be able to use it and do some good. And I I think that at the end of it is what's most important. Our guest today was Johnny Zhang, Chief Software Engineer at Capgemini Engineering. Whenever a new buzzword pops up, companies start pretending that they're intimately involved with it. While most people I've talked to agree with Zhang that the metaverse is still conceptual, that isn't necessarily an impediment for some. For example, there are already market research firms providing perplexedly precise figures on the size of the metaverse market. The word metaverse has been around for years and years, but it entered the modern lexicon only last October when Mark Zuckerberg renamed Facebook. He's calling it Meta now. And he said that Meta would help usher in some virtual collaborative space he called the Metaverse last October. That was 2021. I'm pointing that out because only one month later, also in 2021, one market research firm said that the size of the Metaverse market was almost $48 billion in 2020. What this company did was lump in everything that might conceivably be described as interactive, virtual reality, augmented reality, and then add in interactive equipment and platforms, including headsets and apparently PCs and mobile phones, and arrived at a number so impressive that people like me couldn't avoid quoting it. 48 billion in 2020, the year before the market that hasn't, in all honesty, even started yet, and furthermore, hadn't even been named yet, let alone defined. Yeah, you, you gotta admire the chutzpah, right? The dream of autonomous vehicles has been deferred but not abandoned. There are still technological, sociological, and ethical questions that must be answered before vehicles can drive themselves. EE Times has assembled a package of related articles on autonomous driving. It's our latest special project. Our editors and contributing experts address developing sensor technology, the lack of maturity of self-driving software, and the problem of autonowashing, whitewashing the problem with autonomous driving. Our Autonomous Driving Special Project is a lead-in for EE Times' second annual Advanced Automotive Tech Forum. This free virtual conference focuses on the technology that is enabling the motor industry's transition to electric propulsion systems and the transformation of motor vehicles into some of the most advanced electronic systems in the planet. The event is next week. It starts on March 8th with tutorials and continues on March 9th and 10th with speakers from Infineon, Wolfspeed, Texas Instruments, and more. It's all about electric vehicles, EVs, and autonomous vehicles, AVs. Check out the full conference lineup and register at nextgenevav.com. That's all one word, nextgenevav.com. And that concludes another episode of The Weekly Briefing. Thank you for listening. The Weekly Briefing is available in places one tends to go for other podcasts, namely iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. But if you go to our website at eetimes.com, you'll find a transcript along with direct links to the other stories we've mentioned 
along with other resources. The Weekly Briefing is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McRae at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week. Before I let you go, I do have a question. What video games have you been playing that you found engaging? <laughs> well, you know, I I started playing video games for for a very long time, but I would say of all the ones that are most addictive, mm-hmm. it would have been World of Warcraft. And I think it was like the first creation of that metaverse. So, but, so, what was, so, so what was your avatar? Who did you play I as? I was a... <laughs> I was very uh, typical. I was a night elf uh, hunter. <laughs> uh, so, so with a, so, so an archer, basically, right? How, yes, how come yes. everybody ends up devolving to archer? There's something really, you know, there, there's it's some... the easiest class to play. Yeah, right. <laughs> you do the most damage, and you stand the furthest away. Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that's exactly the way I play. Uh, play, you know, Elder Scrolls. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I build a tank and I end up being an archer. Okay, <laughs> Johnny, very good, Johnny. Thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful talking to you. No, absolutely, Brian. This was this was a pleasure.